The Cougars are back. Hand off Squally. Squally runs it right, gets to the five. He's got the pylon. He's got the touchdown. Oh, Canada! We're two hours away from the kickoff of BYU football. Timing pattern. End zone. It is caught by Bushman. Back the pylon. Touchdown, Cougars. This is Cougar Pregame Live. Cougar Pregame Live is proudly supported by Ken Garf, Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen in Orem. Also by Siegfried and Jensen. Siegfried and Jensen has been helping Utah families for over 25 years. To get you ready for today's battle on the gridiron, let's join the host of Cougar Pregame Live, Ben Bagley. Good morning, BYU fans. It's early. Felt like I had to start the show that way. Welcome into Cougar Pregame Live. I am Ben Bagley. Today, BYU is at Gillette Stadium, home of the New England Patriots, to face the UMass Minutemen. These two teams met in Provo last year, where UMass upset the Cougars 16-10. to Both teams have four wins on the season, BYU 4-5, and while the Minutemen... Four and six. And as always, bright and early in the morning, chipper and ready to go, I'm joined by Mark Lyons. Mark, good morning. Good morning to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're uh, pretty excited to be here at Gillette Stadium. Man, it was cool when we pulled in and it's all lit up. It's got the big Gillette sign out in front and you're just uh, right across the parking lot there from uh, Gillette Stadium where the Patriots play. So, uh, yeah, already I am excited and I've been entertained. Well, I'm assuming, Mark, knowing, knowing the physical specimen you are and how, how well you take care of your body, before you got there for pregame, I'm sure you went over to the TB12 training facility across the way and got your workout in with Tom Brady, right? You know, uh, we didn't quite have it. We bypassed it. Uh, we didn't walk right by it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we've got a cloudy day here. It rained pretty hard last night, a uh, little bit of a breeze here today. So it'll be, uh, I think it's going to be very playable, but it's going to be cool, a little bit, little bit damp, just high humidity. It's early November, and it's a great morning for football, Mark. That's, that's right. all we that's, need to know. That's the truth. That being said, let's get to today's game headlines as the Cougars face the Minutemen. These are your BYU football headlines. Headline number one, dare to be aggressive. This week on BYU football with Kalani Sataki, the head coach told the audience that he was daring, quote, daring his assistants to be more aggressive this week. Mark, we've heard verbiage like this in the last couple of weeks for Kalani, but how is this week different? How is his dare to the coaches to be more aggressive going to affect what BYU does today? Well, we'll have to see if they're getting the same message to each other. You know, I, it's pretty interesting that we hear that, but the communication must be breaking down. I do believe that uh, defensively, that's going to be a big key. They're going to have to get after the quarterback. They're going to have to make, well, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But uh, so uh, I do think that the, the defense has an opportunity to do that. Now, the offense is playing what I think is a... They give up a lot of plays. Let's just say it that way. UMass gives up a lot of plays. They'll make good plays, good plays, but they have a hard time doing it three in a row. So BYU has to be able to throw the ball downfield, pick up big chunks of yardage, and be able to get those long scores that this just eluded them all season. Well, that's the interesting thing about this topic. You heard Kalani Staki talk about being more aggressive and letting it rip against this porous Miniman defense. This might be the week where you want to just kind of grind them out, keep the ball out of that offensive hand, and let BYU's run game get it going. We'll talk more about that coming up. Good point, though, Ben. That's a good point. Headline number two, the Andy Isabella Show. 
It's not Mayberry, but it is UMass, where wide receiver Andy Isabella is has just under 1,400 total receiving yards. That's just this season. That's not for his career. That with 11 TDs, and he's averaging 18 yards per catch. Mark, he's coming off of a 303-yard game. The Cougars also lost corner Chris Wilcox this week to a season-ending ankle injury. So how does the BYU secondary stop or slow down Andy Isabella? You know, when Greg was telling me, uh, hey, this Isabella kid uh, put up 303 yards last week, and I was going, that has to be a typo. He's a, he is a senior. He's 5'10", 190, really shifty, good speed. He's hard to tackle, so he can catch the ball in a – you know, in that five to seven yard and still make people miss and turn it into big play. And he can also run by you. So uh, it's he's really a talented kid. Uh, I know I'm not, I'm not going to steal Greg's thunder, but he's going to say later on that he thinks that he'll be a Patriot later on in his career. Just, <laughs> just, just the kind of guy. The, 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 that, the smaller slot receiver. That's right. There you go. He's that smaller slot receiver, tough kid, and makes the big plays. Headline number three, the scoreboard tug-of-war. <laughs> UMass averages 35 points a game this season. BYU gives up on an average 21 points a game. So a, a prolifically scoring offense versus a defense that does a really good job keeping opponents off the board. So, Mark, who wins the tug-of-war? Boy, you know, that's the matchup. I thought BYU's defense did a terrific job against Boise State last week. And uh, Boise State's been averaging 41 yards, 41 points a game. And so... With the fact that they were a high-scoring team and BYU held them to three scores in the football game, I thought they did a great job in keeping them out of the end zone and keeping points off the board. Now, that same thing has to be done today. And the way that I think they do that is they confuse the quarterback. You know, BYU's added some defenses, new looks. They play some man. They play some zone. They come with uh, outside blitzes. So I think if they confuse the quarterback enough, that's going to really limit their success in throwing the football. And the fourth and final headline, protect yourself. I, I didn't want to sing that one. Uh, BYU <laughs> has given up 12 sacks in the last two games and has been unable to establish a run game rushing for just under 100 yards in both games. What can the Cougars do to change this trend? Boy, it has been a killer. Those uh, sacks have taken—they just stopped drives. They've taken them out of field goal range. Mark, Mark, minus yeah. 109 yards last week in sacks and tackles for losses for BYU. It was just brutal. It was just—and so uh, now here's the sack thing. You know, so everybody looks at the linemen first, and the line had their share of problems uh, blocking that Weaver kid, but. Uh, also, the back has the responsibility to pick up most of the linebacker stunts. And so uh, there were times that the linebackers came free and clear, particularly in that Northern Illinois game, and the backs weren't able to see that it was happening and picking that up. And then the quarterback just has to be able to recognize, uh, I'm in trouble, I've got to get rid of the football. And so if you throw the ball away, you have an incomplete pass. You lose it down, but you don't lose the yardage. You come back with the same situation for a new play the next down. And uh, BYU, those three things combine to create the sack problem. And 12 sacks in two games is just, oh, it's just a lot. That's a lot. I'm going to put it that way. Yeah, I'm not a math major, but I would agree that is a lot. Hey, coming up, we'll hear from Kalani Sataki, Jeff Grimes, and Eliza Tuiaki and Cougar Cucks. But next, we'll get to know the foe as we talk with UMass play-by-play voice Josh Maurer. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. 
Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live. Ben Bagley and Mark Lyons with you as we get ready. Hey, Mark, did you know the college game day is in town for, well, not the, this game, but they're across town for the ba- ba- BC game, Clem- BC Clemson. I know it. I was thinking, yeah, how can we get over there this morning? But, uh, yeah, we had to be someplace else. Hey, Mark, we're going to talk to Josh Maurer here in just a second, the voice of the the UMass Minutemen in just a moment. But first, let's talk a little bit more about this game today. And an interesting thing, because I don't want to tear the scab off for BYU fans as they've had a week to kind of heal for this. But we talked about the sack thing and everybody, everybody like, oh, the offensive line is doing a horrible job. But a lot of that is the growing pains of a young quarterback. Zach Wilson's learning how to play this role. He's got that, that swashbuckling kind of swagger where he feels like he can make every play and that desire to make every play is part of the reason why these sacks are starting to, t- to tally up. Yeah, I think that's the truth. And, and I'm sure that uh, in his experience in playing in high school, he was able to elude that first rusher many times. And you'll see that he makes kind of the same move every time that gets him back into trouble. So he'll wheel out of there and run right into pressure coming from the other side where I would like to see him just go ahead and beat that first guy to the outside, get outside the tackle box, and then throw it away. Now, the fact that he hasn't been doing that and hasn't done that probably in high school, uh, it's not just an easy thing to just all of a sudden start saying, give one up, because you're right. His idea is, I've got to make every play. And uh, to throw one away isn't in his DNA. Hey, that wouldn't be a rhyme. <laughs> throw one away isn't in his DNA. Well, and we, we saw that at the end of the Boise game last week where seven seconds left. The offense had set up to get two plays if possible. The first play was to get the snap. If the ball wasn't there, throw it away and live for a second play where Zach pulled it down and tried to score, allowing the Cougars only one final play, and, and they lost the game. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, he should have done this, he should have done that. The nice thing was is there's a video after the game as he walked out the field of Fessy Sataki going up to him and talking to him. And, and I don't know what was said in that conversation, but I imagine it went something like, hey, we told you to throw it away, you should have thrown it away, you'll learn from this, but hey, we wouldn't have been in this position if you wouldn't have got us there. So a nice teaching moment there <laughs> by Fessy Sataki. We'll talk more about that coming up in just a moment. Joining us now, Josh Mayer, who is in his 11th season as a voice of the UMass Minutemen. Josh, thanks for taking some time to join us. Hey, it's great to be back with you guys. <laughs> yeah, on our you... turf this time. Oh, on your turf. Well, so let's talk about, let's start the conversation there. Uh, it is on home turf, UMass this time. Did last year's win in Provo, though, embolden the Minutemen as they enter into today's game? You know, I thought that might. I asked Coach Whipple, though, about that earlier this week. And really the only thing he said that he took away from that game is that he knows his guys can play with BYU, and they know how big and physical BYU are. So he worried that maybe it it adds a little more trepidation, knowing that the the BYU team is probably hungry for revenge. And uh, you guys don't need me to tell you that that wasn't a loss that I'm sure most Cougar – fans and players and coaches were happy about so i i kind of imagine and you you guys could tell me if i'm wrong i kind of imagine that this one's been circled on the calendar a little bit maybe more so than it would have been otherwise because of what happened last year i think a lot of those guys are gone but it is a second chance that i do think that's right that you get that second chance next year and uh, you know michigan's they're talking about how michigan's going off and checking each one of those losses that they had last year Mm -hmm. and they're recovering from it and so uh, revenge uh, isn't uh, the best motivator, but it might get you started to be one. Yep, yep, I think so. So, Ross, let me uh, ask you about the quarterback. So, Ross Cumas, 
Um, he's started now two games. He's a senior. He's been around a long time. He played in all the games, but uh, put up 500-plus yards last week. It was a I, – I, I look at last week's game, it's almost like you, you, you throw out all these gaudy numbers and you don't believe that they <laughs> happened, you know, with Comus – over 500 yards, and the wide receiver, Isabella, over 300 yards receiving. It was just an unbelievable game. It, more like a basketball score than a football score. So I know. It was I, Madden. It, it, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was video game football. The The thing about Comus, if you're going to lose a quarterback like Andrew Ford, which UMass did, you have a fifth-year senior who is more than capable of stepping in and running the offense because he's been in Mark Whipple's system for his, yeah. his whole five years. So th- that was a really big luxury that UMass had. And he actually adds a separate dimension. Ford, as great of a passer as he is and was for UMass, was not mobile. And Comus is a mobile guy. You look at it, he's third on the team in rushing. So I think there's actually even more available in the playbook when Comus is behind center and and taking the snaps at quarterback than when Andrew Ford was. I'm, I'm not saying that Ross is a better quarterback or that the team didn't take a hit when Ford got hurt a few yeah. weeks ago, but he, he does add that separate dimension. A lot of talk coming into today's game uh, about Andy Isabella. Obviously, he's having a fantastic year, but he's coming off a game in which he had 303 yards receiving. Outside of Isabella, though, what should Cougar fans watch for from this UMass offense? Well, there's a running back named Marquise Young who's had back-to-back 100-yard games. He's a senior, and one of the things about UMass the last few years, they've tended to run the ball a lot more and a lot more effectively at the end of the year. At the beginning of the season, UMass was one of the worst rushing offenses in the country. But all of a sudden, the last few weeks, they've started to use Marquise more, and, and I don't think it's a surprise that they've won these games when you've had more balance on offense. So I, I think if you go by last year's formula at, out in Provo when UMass won the game essentially with defense, you might try to see that more than a Mark Whipple coach team would otherwise. More uh, ball control ground it, pound it, and then try to hope that your defense plays well enough to get you a victory here. Yeah, well, BYU's looking at that same strategy. <laughs> That's what we were just talking about. But in uh, talking uh, about the the fact that uh, the defense last year was so good, and this year, boy, they're just uh, giving up a lot of plays, a lot of points. Uh, so what do you anticipate seeing from the defense today? They're hopeful that it's better, uh, more like what, what you guys saw last season. I, I there were a lot of players who left, graduated last year on the defensive line, and that's really hurt UMass. They had three seniors who helped with that win last season. That was the best performance, I think, defensively from a UMass team in their FBS existence wow. in seven years. That game last season, they had seven sacks. Yeah. There was pressure on Joe Critchlow that whole game, and then also four interceptions helped too. But I, I thought it all started up front in that game, but three seniors – graduated after the year who were on the defensive line and, and boy have they missed them that that's really been a difference because if you look at the rushing totals against umass this season it's it's not good you're giving up over 250 rushing yards a game so i i know that every coach watches the film they see those stats and you game plan around that right you say okay well even if we're going to normally try to throw the ball, not against UMass, we're going to try to run it, run it, and run it some more. And I imagine that's what BYU will try to do this afternoon. Well, we were just having that debate, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, is everybody looks at those defensive numbers and like, hey, this should be a big game for BYU, put up big, all sorts of gaudy numbers. I'm just like, might be the best thing for BYU just to keep the ball on the ground, keep the, uh, keep the ball out of the UMass offense's hand, and try to control the game, game that way. 
Yeah, I think so. I, that's what I would do. I'll tell you that much. And and UMass's offense is feeling really good about itself, not yeah, just that. because of what they did against Liberty last week, but I, I think they know as so many of those playmakers come to the end of their careers that this is kind of like a final statement, really. Uh, they they have Isabella, who's a senior. They have Comus, the quarterback, is a senior. I mentioned that Marquise Young, the, the best running back, he's a senior, a couple of the offensive linemen. So you guys know this. When you you smell the end and you, you yeah. see the finish line in sight, there's that sense of urgency that sets in, and I think you start playing your best, maybe. Well, they've won two in a row, you know, and they've got to be feeling good about themselves as they uh, start putting a string together, we're going to win them all. That's how I think when I when I birdie number 15, I'm thinking I'm birdieing <laughs> out. <laughs> They're hopeful. Now, the problem is, here's what's on the horizon. You've got today, and then you've got at Georgia next yeah. week to finish this season. Then, yeah, boy. That's a challenge. That's yeah, a challenge. Yeah, you got that. No worries, right? Yeah, right? Well, <laughs> first things first, UMass needs to win here today. But even if they do, they would have to beat Georgia next week to be bowl eligible. And so they, they left themselves in a hole. Look, guys, just for context, this season had the biggest expectations of any of the years since oh. moving up to the FBS yeah. level. Uh, and a lot of that was because of the way oh. last year finished, the win at BYU, the the – playmakers on offense who returned to the team and the problem was some winnable games they thought they had on the schedule early in the year UMass just didn't play as well as they could have yeah we've seen that too <laughs> right hey Josh thanks for your time man have a great call today looking forward to hopefully a, a, a entertaining and fantastic game we hope so we hope so the weather's going to clear up here guys and it's going to be a nice day for football. clear up to our knees <laughs> <laughs> wow the pessimist mark lyon now we're good hey thanks josh appreciate your time you got it hey coming up uh jason shepherd goes one-on-one with multi-faceted matt hadley he's leading he's led the cougars in rushing over the last couple of weeks used to be a linebacker and a safety now he's a running back that's coming up in shep talk but next it's cougar cuts you're listening to cougar pregame live on the new skin byu sports network Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Mark Lyons for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live. Ben Bagley and Mark Lyons getting you ready for BYU and UMass. We're about an hour and 35 minutes away from kick. This is Mark Lyons at the Gillette Stadiums. I'm in the BYU Radio Studios in Provo, Utah, and it's time for Cougar Cuts. When Zach Wilson was named the starting quarterback, you didn't have to be a genius to figure out that the offense would look a little bit different because Zach Wilson's skills are a little different than Tanner Mingham's. Offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes was asked if it's been a challenge calling plays for Wilson versus Mangum. There's not necessarily a challenge in calling it for Zach. The, the challenge is for Zach as a young player to learn when to just let the system work for him versus try to make a play. He's that guy that that we love in that if he were the point guard on a basketball team, he'd be taking the last shot, right, to win the game. And you love that about him, but he needs to learn when it's time to dish it off to his teammate and allow his teammate to make that play. And he'll find that he's not getting banged up as much and will be more efficient as an offense. And that's, that's just that's a learning curve. Now, I'm not 100% sure here, Mark, but I think Jeff Grimes just compared Mark Wilson to uh, Allen Iverson as the point guard who sometimes freelances and makes the shot, but occasionally you want him to run inside the offense. Now, Zach's only he's only started a handful of games now. I think this is his fourth start of the season and of his career. As a young quarterback who we talked about, the swashbucklings-type quarterback, how long does it take you to learn that sometimes the safe way is the okay way? Yeah, I think that is the challenge for him. Uh, uh, and it's not, you know, it's 
in the quarterback's attitude, there, there. Are, I've mentioned this so many times. If a quarterback gets sacked, he thinks it's his fault because uh, his job is on the pass play to throw the ball to a receiver and let him catch it. And the same thing is true. If I throw the football, I expect somebody is going to catch it. That's my job is to get it to him where he can catch it. So it's ingrained in you that you're doing what you're one eleventh when you do those things uh, on a pass play. I've got to make it a completion. And so if it isn't a completion, it, it, uh, it's a hard thing. If you get sacked, you feel like you're letting your team down. And uh, that kind of uh, uh, downer part of playing quarterback does create a little bit of a problem and that uh, you expect that you're always going to be doing better. That's also, though, the motivator to try and make yourself better. So there's two sides, and I know that Zach is working hard and harder and harder in order to be able to be that quarterback of uh, where he's satisfied with his play in a game. And, boy, that, that just doesn't happen very often for a quarterback. <laughs> I, I know there's going to be a lot of Cougar fans out there who aren't going to like what I'm about to say, but I think that Jeff Grimes would like him to be a little bit less Allen Iverson or more Chris Paul, yeah, who can have right. the flashiness at times but also knows when to run the offense when needs to be. And I know there's a lot of people who don't like Chris Paul out there, so I apologize, Cougar fans, <laughs> if I offended you with that one. Hey, let's get to bite number two. During the week, during this current two-game losing streak, BYU has found itself in the red zone seven times. The Cougars have only one touchdown in those seven drives. Kalani Sataki says they have to find a way to get the TDs. We've done well in the red zone pretty most of the season, pretty much, you know, but the last two weeks haven't been good for us, and so that needs to improve. I, I, I don't like kicking field goals, but I have a lot of confidence that our kicker would make them. I mean, he was three or four, and... Um, Scott, is a, he's a young freshman. He's going to make a lot of field goals for us. But I like him kicking PATs better. So I uh, really want to score touchdowns in the red zone. And if that means a shift in, in what we do as, a, as an offense, especially in that area. It's a condensed field now. So uh, the emphasis has got to be on, the, on what we're good at and the efficiency that we can get our best performance get, so we can get in the end zone. That's going to be the key. Mark, what's the red zone key for the Cougars? Boy, uh, yeah. I think that uh, <laughs> they're having a hard time to get in the end zone. And in doing so, in practice, I think you have to create some red zone kind of plays. And it looks as though we've given up blue zone, doesn't it? So I'm going to go with red zone also. So I think that you have to create, uh, you have this set of plays that you're going to have available for the game. And of that set of plays that you have available for the game, you designate these are the plays that I'm going to use in the red zone. And they're going to get us the scores. But I think also you create a few of these special plays that are designed to get you into the end zone. Now, against Hawaii, they had the seven touchdowns. They just ha are having a hard time. Then Northern Illinois, none. And against Boise State, one. And so uh, what touchdowns are what really make a difference. Uh, BYU has to have playmakers to get the ball in the end zone. And I think that they have to be able to design some unique plays, work on them and work on them and work on them. We used to run a perfect play drill in the goal line. And in doing so, in practice, you were able to score and score and score. You got this positive attitude that this play is going to work. And so when you call that play in the game in the red zone, you anticipate that it's going to be successful just because you've had success in practice. Now stop me if you've heard this one before, Mark. BYU is facing an opponent that comes from uh, that can score the football in UMass. While UMass is not as good at all defensively, 
but they can put up points on the board on the offense, offensive side of the ball. Defensive coordinator Elias Tuiaki said BYU will have its hands full again this week. A lot of people, you know, they don't give much mind to UMass just because it's so far out there. We're, you don't really think much about them. All you do is really just look at the record and you think, well, these guys can't be really good. But every year that we've played them, they are the most complex scheme that we play and uh, really, really difficult uh, defending them offensively. I think that there's a reason why they score points and they're scoring on everybody. It's because uh, they do a good job on offense. There you go, Les Tuaki on the UMass offense. But like I said, stop me if you've heard this one before. It was the same story with Boise State last week, yeah, putting up yes. lots of points. But the BYU defense, they showed well last week. I'll, I'll say they did. They did a, a great job against a really good receiver and a really good running back and a really good quarterback. It's a similar situation uh, against uh, Boise State. And uh, Boise State, uh, Rippon was confused. BYU altered their defense enough to uh, keep him off balance. They did a good job in containing their running back and their running game. And I also felt like they uh, took the receiver out. Now, Rippon had open receivers, but because he was concerned about earlier plays where everyone was covered, he didn't throw accurately in the football game. So there's that same story that the quarterback gets concerned about uh, this play that didn't work, and the next time there's a guy open, he comes with a little more stress on him, and he has to make the play, and so he doesn't. So I do think that that's the similar situation today. Up next, Jason Shepard goes one-on-one with BYU running back Matt Hadley and Shep Talk. More Cougar pregame live after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Ben Bagley. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live. Ben Bagley and Mark Lyons with you. Matt Hadley has played linebacker, safety, running back, back to linebacker, back to running back. You get the idea. He's been everywhere. And right now he's been the, well, the more, most, more of the featured back right now for the BYU Cougars. Jason Shepard talked with the six-foot redshirt senior from Washington after practice this week. Here's Shep talk with Matt Hadley. What's the mood been this week at practice? You guys look to bounce back heading into UMass. Yeah, it's been really positive. Uh, you know, that's – I mentioned this the other night after the game – it's, uh, it's really the only thing you can do. Um, if, if you, as a team, want to bounce back, you've, you've got to be able to pick yourself up and uh, you've got to be able to go into a work week uh, with a positive attitude. I know that the coaches early on when there was some adversity said this team has done a really good job of being able to do that, to put it behind you, bounce back, move on. Has it been more difficult as the season has gone on to do that or has, have you not seen a change with that? Um, you know, I, I don't think I've seen a change, to be honest. I think naturally it is it gets more challenging just because, you know, and this happens with every team. Everybody just is getting, you know, tired. Your bodies are, are getting worn out. But, uh, you know, to be honest, I haven't seen that with, with this team, and that's what I love so much about these guys. What's more stressful, preparing for a game or the late-night feedings, getting up with the little one, that kind of stuff? Well, last night I'm going to have to say it's the latter. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she was up quite a bit last night, but um, no, still overall, I'll, I'll take probably getting ready for these games. That's probably a little more stressful. I know that you've played the position before, but you look really comfortable running the football right now. How are you feeling out there? Yeah, you know, I, I, I feel uh, comfortable, I think, is, is probably the best way to put it. That's due, honestly, a, a lot of credit can go to, uh, you know, our coaching staff. They've really helped me and, and – uh, really helped me jumpstart because it's been so long since I have run the ball, really, and 
they've really helped me uh, kind of jumpstart and, and pick things back up pretty quickly. We've talked with you about having fun with all the position changes and, you know, whether it's safety, linebacker, running back, back to, you know, whatever. It's one thing to be able to do that, to be able to go from position. It's another to be productive at all of the different position changes. How difficult has that been? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge. You know, it's, uh, I don't know if I can quantify how difficult that's been but uh it's yeah it's definitely been a a challenge but as I said you know the coaches are uh, I I love and I trust these these coaches and they've helped me a ton to be able to to make those adjustments and make them quickly how has Zach been this week heading into this game against UMass what have you seen from your quarterback uh confident and um he should be you know he's a great player, and, and he knows it, and we know it, and uh, he should be feeling confident. We're, we're all behind him. Speaking of that, and I was talking with somebody just a day or two ago about this, and they all mentioned how in the huddle, like this is like a guy that's done this for three or four years, that he exudes confidence, he makes others believe. Like how rare is that, for, especially for a freshman quarterback? Yeah, no, I mean, it's rare. I can tell you, I mean, I didn't play quarterback, but I wasn't this way as a freshman, I can tell you that much. Um, I, you know, I think I might have mentioned it a, a couple weeks ago um, to someone. You know, I, it, it does kind of remind me, you know, because I've been here for so long, and <laughs> it kind of reminds me of when Jamal Williams was a freshman. Uh, Jamal was a little more uh, flashy, and we love that. I love that. <laughs> But um, just the confidence side, you know, coming in so young as a freshman and coming into a, a huge role, you can just get that sense and, uh, and you can feed off of it. What do you guys know about this UMass defense? This is a defense so far that's given up quite a few yards and points. So, I mean, there certainly should be opportunities for you guys to get in a rhythm. What do you know about the Minutemen? Well, you know, they're a good defense. They've played against some good teams this year. Um, you know, you can't just focus on the scoreboard um, because then that's when you start to get in trouble. You know, you start to, as an offense, you'll start to fall asleep and think that, you know, you've got everything under control. Um, we're coming into this week preparing like we would prepare any other week. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Correct me if I'm wrong, you did not play in the game against UMass last year, right? No, I didn't. Okay, so has that been brought up, the fact that they came in here and won, or is that whole thing overblown in terms of maybe the revenge factor? Yeah, no, we we haven't even – I haven't even heard that mentioned once. Um, You know, I I don't know if people are talking about that outside of of this building, but right now we're just thinking about this week and this week only. All right, let's wrap this up with the final four. These are the uh, the personality questions. What was the last show you binge-watched? The last show that I binge watched, um, oh, Parks and Rec. Now, had you not seen it before, never, or were you refreshing your memory on it? I had never seen it before. I know it's a it's a sin, <laughs> but uh, me and my wife we we flipped that thing on and we could not stop. We watched that. Oh, it's fantastic. Do you have a favorite? I mean, can I assume Ron Swanson, or is there someone else? Honestly, uh, yeah, no, Ron Swanson, he's up there. He's probably top two. I really like Leslie Nope. <laughs> I think, I think she, you know, she's a killer boss. I, I don't know. She's funny. You know, if you bring the mustache back, you could be Ron Swanson. I could be. Yeah, actually, I, well, I just shaved it actually yesterday. My wife had enough of it, so. <laughs> okay, so Parks and Rec was the last show you binge watched. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, probably flying. I think it'd be cool to fly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just—it's the number one superpower. I don't know why anybody says anything about it. Yeah, that. I agree, hundred yeah. percent. Your favorite meal is what? Chicken Alfredo. 
Yeah, love it. Do you love eat it. it a lot? Do you get it a lot? Or is it one of those things that's kind of a treat that you don't get all the time? Exactly. That's what it is. Um, I, 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 try to, uh, I try to be selective when I'm going to eat it because it is a pretty heavy meal. But it's just so delicious. I want it to be that special treat. Okay, last thing. How has coming to BYU influenced your life? Well, uh, that is probably uh, one of the toughest questions you could ask. Um, you know, it's influenced my life in um, only positive uh, ways. You know, uh, I've been able to, you know, meet my spouse here, get a great education, and then obviously football and and. You know the spiritual aspect of everything. It's just, it's uh, it's been huge for me in my personal growth. I appreciate the time and good luck against the Minutemen. Appreciate it. Thank you. There you go, Matt Hadley with Jason Shepard and Shep Talk, and I think we can all agree we're all Ron Swanson. We all want to be Ron Swanson. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Hey, we'll visit with the voice Greg Rebell coming up in about ten minutes. But first, Mark Lyons chimes in on the improved play of the defense and analyze this. It's next as Cougar pregame live rolls on on the new Skin BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar pregame live on the new Skin BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Cougar Pre-Game Live. It's time for Analyze This. I'm Ben Bagley, and I'm joined by Mark Lyons. Mark, the BYU defense ranks 26th in total defense, 33rd against the pass and 37th against the rush. That's not bad. Also, 37th in scoring defense at 22 points a game. Since giving up at 45 points against Utah State, they've held Hawaii's potent offense to 23 points, Northern Illinois to just 7 points, and Boise State's offense that was rolling to only 21 points. Despite all the injuries and position changes, and there was a new injury this week with Chris Wilcox out for the season, what is the Cougars' de- what is the Cougar defense doing that has them playing so well right now? Well, I really think that it was the Hawaii game that uh, has made the biggest change in what BYU is doing on defense. So, to face that run and shoot that Hawaii runs, BYU made a new look on defense and. Uh, They uh, came out with a a different front. They had a different approach in the secondary. And since then, I was wondering if they would continue to use it because it was pretty specific for the run and shoot. But they have continued to use that defensive look. So the fact that they are able to give a new and different look to the offense. They also uh, played man-to-man and zone and mix it up quite a bit now. So that's much more difficult for the quarterback to recognize what's going on. And uh, so here's the part, though, that I think is the big deal, is that as the team goes through a season, you start to, you know, because of practice, because of games, you just get better and better and better as togetherness. The the unit becomes solid. You become, even though there have been injuries, everybody else has fit in. And the defense is making that normal progression, and they are improving at bigger steps than most other teams so that's what i think is the big difference and that's the part that i'm still looking for with the offense you looked like it was going to be the hawaii game that they made that breakout game but then that wasn't the case the offense is still in that mode where they've got to find it's time for us to step it up the defense has made that change. That's the difference for the D. Well, you look at the offense, and we can talk more about this in a second. The offense, the, the recipe for Hawaii was Hawaii's defense, porous and not great. The same kind of things can be said this week about 
UMass. So maybe we see another one of those performances by the offense where it gets clicking just what they need as they head down the final three games of the season. But back to the defense early in this season, Mark. Uh, the defense uh, fans and analysts, and I know that I, I, I was critical of it, the fact that it was very vanilla. They weren't putting any blitzes. Yeah. They weren't doing any stunts. They weren't putting any pressure on the quarterback. That seemed to change. At least the pressure's changed on the quarterbacks in the last couple of weeks as the BYU defense has stepped up. Are they doing more blitzes, or are they just being better at what they're doing? There have been more blitzes, and, uh, again, it was specifically in that Hawaii game. I didn't think that they uh, came with a lot of that against Boise State. They were still more aggressive. Now, the area that uh, I was interested to hear two of BYU's uh, defenders, uh, Corbin Kafusi and Sione Takitaki, both mentioned they've got to be more prepared at the start of the game. And uh, there have just been too many times that offenses have come out and put points on them early in the first quarter. And so that part, uh, they seem to pick it up. They start to become more aggressive. Corbin Kafusi mentioned, instead of just hanging on, we have to be able to make the defense get them. And so they're in a little more go-get-em mode. Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up. And that's, could you, Corbin Kafusi tell you that, that analogy, and all of a sudden I'm going back to the NBA and I'm thinking Jeff Van Gundy, Alonzo Morning's legs at the, at, the, <laughs> at the Madison Square Garden, where Jeff Van Gundy's just hanging on. But, but yeah, it's got, it's got to be a different mentality, and it's actually one of my keys to the game we'll talk about later, is defensively, not just offensively, defensively you got to get that fast start, is BYU beats Boise if they don't give up the two quick touchdowns. Now, they could have been three, and the defense stepped up and stopped yeah. that third one, but the damage has already been done with 14 points on the board early. Yeah, I agree. that, uh, And uh, I, I don't think it's a mental thing. Uh, I think that they just have to kind of uh, step out on the field with the attitude we're big and bad and mean, and we're going to rip your head off. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about the secondary? Uh, Chris Wilcox done for the season due to yeah. an ankle injury. That's already a young secondary, but they seem to be doing a pretty good job. Yeah, now D'Angelo Mandel, he's a redshirt freshman, uh, and he's stepped up there and played pretty well. I thought he did a, a nice job against those guys. But, again, I, I think it's the secondary changes. Uh, Keenan Ellis has played quite a bit. And those guys, uh, the fact that uh, they are young and stepping in there and playing and uh, being able to uh, contain, keep everything in front, don't give up the touchdown, don't give up that long ball. And today it's going to be a test because, uh, as we've already said, that Isabella kid, can uh, he, he makes big plays. Well, Chris Wilcox, in an interview earlier this week, did guarantee the guys on BYU Sports Nation that uh, Andy Isabella would not get 300 yards receiving tonight, today. Oh, okay. So, so we got that going for you. If that means anything to you, I don't know if it does. <laughs> That's a bold prediction. <laughs> uh, 300 yards. You were right. When I first saw that, I was like, typo, typo. Yeah. 303 yards receiving in one game. Yeah. That, that, that's <laughs> he, special. And it starts off early in the game. You know, he gets that 80-something yarder early in the game, and, and it just everything else was, uh, well, they weren't as 80, but they were 48, 50-something. He has more uh, touchdown passes from 30 yards out and 40 yards out, and then one guy has one more in the 50 yards, uh, and then he's most in the 60. He's, he's amazing. He's just got uh, long, 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 big 
touchdown plays. Well, and that's the thing, and it's and, and a lot of those it hasn't. I mean, he's he's got the deep ball as well, but a lot of those shockingly yeah, are, are making someone miss and then yeah. sprinting to the end zone. So that's something that you need to watch from the BYU secondary and the BYU defense is first guy in's got to get him down, or first that's guy right. in's got to at least hold him up, and everybody else has got to come in and get him down. You can't let him break tackles and get the yards after ca- contact. You got to grab his belt buckle. You got to grab his jersey. You just have to hang on. When you're close enough to grab something, hang on, and your buddies will come over and help you. On the other part of that is BYU's defensive backs. They've got they've got a size advantage on them. They got to use it. They got to be physical with Isabella, um, rough him up a little bit, and, and 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 use that size to your advantage. You know, and the linebackers, the ones that help. He catches a lot of crossing routes. Uh, you know, at uh, seven to twelve yards. And the quarterback sits back and waits and waits, and then he comes zooming across the middle of the field. So if those linebackers uh, recognize that that's some one of the things that he's good at, you just hang in your spot right there. And when he catches that football, you light him up. And the next time, he's not so eager to come across. Well, and the other part of that, Mark, we've kind of hinted at it a couple of times. We've talked about the BYU defense here This with Analyze This. And while it is the defense's job to slow down Andy Isabella, the offense can do their part by ball control, keeping the ball out of the hands of that UMass offense. Yeah, I thought that was a good point that you made. That, well, thank uh, you, Mark. I thought it was too. <laughs> Boise State what, had a 16-yard drive that took, uh, oh, man, eight minutes, something yeah. like that last week. Yeah, when your offense uh, – you can't score when the other team has the ball. It's one of those things I found out early in my uh, playing <laughs> football. And so uh, uh, last week, Boise State did a good example of that in putting together long ball-controlled drives, lots of plays. And you have to be good in your execution, of course. No sacks, no uh, penalties. But uh, that gives you that opportunity to reduce the opponent's ability to score well and there's nothing more frustrating you look at last week I and mean, BYU was just starting to get it rolling offensively then Boise State goes out there with that one long eight minute drive yeah. and it takes the air out of the momentum of that offense and there's nothing more frustrating as if you're an offensive guy you just you get things going you're excited you get the sidelines can't wait to get back out on the field and you're sitting there for eight minutes or ten minutes or frankly about 15 to 20 minutes in real time just eight minutes of clock time and all of a sudden that momentum is gone so I, I think that uh, it, it might be part of the strategy that BYU uses today. Use that uh, ball control pass game. Use that uh, running backs. Uh, and uh, But UMass doesn't, like I say, UMass does, they'll play two downs that they're pretty decent. They keep you into control. They do everything they're supposed to. But, boy, then, then there's this opening, that I mean, wide open receivers. There's all of a sudden this big gap in their line that allows a guy to make a big uh, play. So, uh it's not it's not their their inconsistency does create their problem so when you get the chance you have to take advantage of it well mark we'll talk more about this coming up but coming up next we'll visit with the voice greg rebel he joins pregame live next fresh off his conversation with head coach kalani Sataki. that's coming up next on the new skin boyu sports network ben bagley and mark lyons for more cougar pregame live on the new skin boyu sports network 
Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live. I'm Ben Bagley, your host. You can join me in conversation over Twitter. Tweet at Ben Bags. We'll get to some of your tweets coming up a little bit later as BYU prepares for UMass. Uh, coming up also later, Mitchell Jurgens will join me as we get his view from the sideline. And we'll talk to him about, well, what does BYU's offense need to do to protect themselves a little bit better this week as opposed to the two previous weeks. And I'll give you my keys to the game. That's all coming up. But right now, it's time to visit with The Voice. Joining us right now, The Voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell. Greg, tonight, today's game is BYU prepares to face UMass. Has a lot of the, a lot of the hints, the same notes that BYU had a couple weeks ago when they played Hawaii. A prolific offense, but the defense, not so good. Yeah, Kalani Sitake in our pregame interview just a short time ago said there is some carryover from that game, and there are some similarities in that uh, Hawaii had a prolific and standout and primary go-to wide receiver in John Ursua, who works out of the slot and leads the nation in touchdown receptions. Well, the guy who's number two is Andy Isabella. Now, the difference between Ursua and Isabella is where Hawaii pretty much lines up where you expect them to every down, one, two, three, you know that uh, uh, John Ursu is going to be slot. Your slot left, your slot right, every down they snap. And Andy Isabella could be anywhere on the field right now. They'll line Andy Isabella up as a flanker, uh, as a split wide, as a slot, as a running back. And so they really do move him around, which is different from Ursua. But with Ursua and Isabella being the key playmakers, and for an offense that scores a lot of points, the defense is very porous. In fact, the last team with a profile, both offensively and defensively, like like uh, like UMass, was Hawaii. And what did BYU do in that game? Well, they won 49 to 23. And and I think the schedule BYU's played this year, uh, no teams with a winning record until today, or there were no teams with a losing record. Beg your pardon. Until today, I, I think this is the kind of game that BYU should expect to go out and and show that the teams they have played and the way they have played. Uh, you know, prepares them for this kind of game, to go out and win this kind of game. Now, that said, it's going to be a squirrely weather day. Yeah, uh, they, they, they said there was going to be no precipitation, but I wouldn't be surprised if something comes because it's, it's dark clouds and very windy right now yeah, the wind and very is... cold. Uh, so it, it, it's been raining all night, and they're looking for temperatures in the low 40s uh, today, but the wind is making it feel like the 30s, and dark clouds are swirling, and it's going to be interesting. Again, whichever team feels like they got to put the ball up here a little bit more than the other uh, could find conditions to be uh, impactful mark do you think the same thing yeah i do that the wind is i just noticed that has really picked up as i was noticing out there that uh, the field goal kickers are having a little bit of a kicking into the wind so the point that i'm going to say is there's probably going to be a strategy that uh, you're going to make some choices about letting the clock run out at the end of the first quarter if you have the wind in your face you're going to try and uh, work your way so that you have your wind at the back. And so there will be some uh, thought, too. Uh, the wind's going to be enough of an impact that there might be some mm, strategy change in what you're doing. And, Ben, uh, we'll hit this in pregame. Mark and I will a little bit later on. But it is interesting how both of these teams' offensive and defensive profiles mirror one another in that they're exactly opposite of the other. Uh, where BYU is strong defensively, UMass is strong offensively. Where BYU is better def- uh, be defensively, uh, or rather, where UMass is strong offense, uh, uh, offensively, BYU is better defensively. And so that really is uh, very interesting, and they really do match up that way. And so if, they, if that's going to mean we see you know two teams scoring in the 30s and 40s or two teams scoring in the teens, either way, we won't be surprised. Yeah, I thought that was interesting this week in getting ready for the game, that how, how those strengths are the strengths across the ball, and that is going to be a big tug-of-war going on between the two teams. 
that's exactly what uh, the, the mystery of this game uh, turns out to be, and I, I'm excited, excited to see how it all turns out. I'm also to see who, excited to see who turns out today, what kind of <laughs> crowd you're going to have here. This is a massive NFL venue, and it's cold, and it's windy, and UMass is 90 miles away from home. This isn't like in their backyard necessarily. It's a 90-mile trip from Amherst to, uh, to Foxborough. Mark. An interesting point, though, is that it's BAM Day here today, and everybody's parents are going to be here to watch their kid out so there in the band. So there it is. So <laughs> the, the, the parents of the kids in the bands, the high school bands that are They'll here. They'll be so, packing the place. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that may be noted in the uh, box score. Well, um, we, do, we <laughs> talked to Josh uh, Josh Mayer, the voice, Mauer, the voice of the, the Minutemen, uh, yesterday on BYU Sports Nation. He told us, he goes, he fully expects it to be a pro-BYU crowd, more of Cougar fans than Minutemen fans there today. Well, there's already, there's already a lot of there's some I shouldn't say a lot there's some cougar blue in the stands already as we are uh, a little more than an hour from kickoff and uh, so yeah it, it, this may not look like like a, a Patriots game by any stretch uh, because it is it, it is chilly it is windy and uh, and again Amherst is not exactly right around the corner so their fans off to come a little ways too but uh, you know Mark and I were out uh, in downtown Boston yesterday and we ran into so many BYU fans. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and, and you know, Clemson's the other big game, and Clemson's playing BC today. But there were as many uh, BYU fans as Clemson fans that traveled uh, to this area for this game. So that's always fun to see. And we noticed a lot of Cougar blue uh, downtown yesterday for sure. One thing I wanted, I wanted to touch on with you, Greg, is as Mark and I kind of hinted at earlier, with watching to see how Zach Wilson bounces back after this pointing finish to the Boise State game. He had a good game. But that last play, it could have a tendency to haunt you a little bit. And the coaches, I know, started right off their game, Fessy Sataki on the field, talking to Zach Wilson, uh, saying, hey, yeah, you messed up here. You should have thrown it away, but we wouldn't have been in this position without you. I'm curious to see how Zach, uh, how much Zach bounces back, if he's going to be a little bit more cautious or if he's still going to be that guy who's out there just slinging it. Well, I hope he's a combination of both in that he's uh, both aggressive and prudent, if that's possible, uh, you know, to be. <laughs> because I, th- I think, yeah, I think you know, the best quarterbacks are that kind of combination, and and, and that's going to come with time. And we have to expect these kind of freshman mistakes uh, from this kid, and he really is still a kid. But uh, I hope he doesn't uh, hang on to it too much. It's got to be kind of a, a you know tucked away and and play the next day kind of situation. But, uh, you know, even earlier in that drive, you know, he makes the kind of plays that set you up in that position. And he's shown how how versatile and and mobile and exciting a player he can be. And UMass's quarterback has some similar tendencies. He may not be uh, the thrower Zach Wilson's going to be, but Ross Comas can move around and uh, certainly has put UMass in in a good place as well, having lost their starting quarterback. So both teams have changed starting quarterbacks midstream. And uh, both, I think, feel good about the guys who replaced. And that's why I'm curious to know, because UMass hasn't shown a lot of uh, stunts and pressure but uh, Boise State came with a ton of it last week. And, and so what's BYU been sacked 12 times in the last two games? Two games. And so yeah. I think that UMass might be thinking uh, let their coach is going to say, we need to be more aggressive. Hmm. We've heard that. So we'll hear what Kalani has to say coming up in about a half hour here, Ben. Uh, that's about a half hour away. More of, the, more of that as well as Greg and Mark breaking down and get you ready for the play-by-play. But coming up after a quick break, Greg, thanks for joining us. Our yeah. weekly view from the sidelines with Mitchell Jurgens. Cougar pregame live continues next on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar pregame live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Ben Bagley. Welcome back to Cougar Pre-Game Live. I'm Ben Bagley. The BYU Cougars getting ready to face the UMass Minutemen. But before we get to Mitch Jurgens and a view of sidelines, let's pause 10 seconds 
for a station identification. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. It is Cougar Pregame Live. My name, Ben Bagley. As the Cougars get ready to face the UMass Minutemen in an NFL stadium, it is Gillette Stadium, uh, the home of the Patriots. And Mitch Jurgens will be on the sidelines, hopefully dry, but at least warm. Always happy to be joined by the former Cougar wide receiver and current sideline reporter, Mitchell. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm dry. I'm warm. I'm inside a radio studio, and, and you're <laughs> praying that it stays dry and semi-warm there, right? I, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty nervous. Um, <laughs> yeah, looking at the clouds, uh, um, and it's you know it's chilly, so I'm uh, yeah just hoping that I can stay warm. I've got the, I've added a layer since last week, so you know I, I hope my preparation pays off. Does, does this have a potential to be your first rain game? It could be, yeah, Ooh. yeah. It hasn't rained yet, so um, hopefully I can keep the equipment dry and uh, and stay warm. All right, more important, keeping the equipment dry or keeping you dry. Um, I, you know, I, I <laughs> for those listening, I should probably say the uh, equipment, but I, deep down inside, I'm thinking myself. <laughs> oh, oh, we know, we know. There, there's no doubt about it. Hey, let let's start here with our conversation, Mitch, as a player. Yeah. How much does, and we haven't talked about this yet this morning, because it is this morning, uh-huh. how much does the two-time zone effect have on a player? I mean, you go two time zones east, you always hear about that, and not just that, but you top that off with an early morning kick. Yeah, so honestly, it can have a, a pretty large effect on players, but only if they let it affect them. Um, you know, because, you know, you come, you go, I guess you go ahead two time zones, and um, it 10 o'clock at night, these, these players are not going to be tired. Um, and so it takes a lot of discipline, and it's up to them to put themselves to sleep, to turn off the TV, turn off the lights, um, and, and force themselves to get rest. Uh, so you hope they've been disciplined enough to uh, let their bodies adjust to this new time zone. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to say which game, but uh, I, I played in a game where you know we went ahead two time zones, um, and we had an early kick, and on the bus over to the stadium, I'm looking around, and everyone is sleeping. Most of the players are, are asleep on the bus, and I thought, this can't be good, and turns out we didn't play too well in that game, and uh, and so it can have a big effect, but, you know, if the player, I mean, fortunately, BYU traveled on Thursday, so they've had another day to let their bodies adjust, which I think will be a huge and uh and play to their benefit to, uh, today, uh, but it can make it can play an effect only if they let them let it affect them though. So, well, we know we know yeah. we know we know for one, Mitchell, that you were, you were last night in your hotel room, lights off, TV off, early, getting ready for this game today. There's oh, no doubt about that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> hey, as a fellow member yourself, not me, of the receiver fraternity, what do you see from Andy Isabella that really impresses you? Yeah, so number one is understanding of the game. Uh, he's a very smart player and always seems to know where to be on the field to get the ball. Um, you know, in addition to his speed, he's very quick out of his breaks. He's got great hands, and, you know, he plays with no fear. Um, he's caught enough balls to know, hey, I can do this. Um, this is just, it, it's become so second nature to him. Um, and, you know, he reminds me, um, and it's it's not ironic that we're here in Gillette Stadium home of the Patriots, he reminds me of a Wes Welker, a Julian Edelman, and a Danny Amendola. I mean, guys that just get the job done, doesn't matter how big or even fast you are, but they get it done, they get open. Um, and, you know, I know I'm I'm 
on the opposing team. Uh, but I'm actually really excited to watch what this guy can do. Um, it, it's it's been impressive uh, the season that he's had so far. Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little disappointed there, Mitch. I set you up for <laughs> it, and you, I thought you were going there when you were saying he reminds me of, and you went with the Patriots receivers, not with he reminds me of me. Oh well, I appreciate that. You know, <laughs> uh, back back in the glory days. <laughs> Uh, Kalani Sataki said earlier this week that he's daring. He, he This was interesting. He says, I'm daring my coaches to be more aggressive. <laughs> I, you, you, I, I imagine that staff meeting being kind of something along the lines of Kalani coming in going, I double dog dare you to be more aggressive this weekend against UMass. <laughs> and he said it wasn't just the offensive side of the ball, but all his coaching staff. Uh, what, how, how, how is that going to represent itself today in this game for BYU? Yeah, you know, the way you put it, it almost sounds like a threat, you know. He's coming <laughs> yeah, it was like, it a dare hey, or a threat. <laughs> you, you be aggressive in this game um, or else, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we saw it a little bit last week uh, from the offensive side. Uh, two of the things that I really liked that we did see is we saw a lot of quick passes. Um, and, and so the tempo off the snap I thought was uh, was a little bit more enhanced. Um, and so he was getting the ball out of his hands very quick. And when Zach did that, we saw a lot of success, you know, quick five yard, 10 yard passes, uh, get the ball early to the receiver so they can make play. Um, and so we did see that. And I feel like that's a little bit more of that. Let it rip aggressive mentality. Uh, we also saw some, uh, two deep balls to Talon, one where he made an extraordinary play and the other, um, we, there was a defensive PI. So, um, it played out in BYU's favor both times. Um, and so that mentality is something that I think they're going to need to see, especially today. Um, you know, the, UMass is prone to giving up multiple big plays in a game. So letting it rip is a mentality and game plan they need to have to score points uh, to win this game. Because you know UMass, I mean, with the, the offense that they have, they, they're able to put up a lot of big points. Side note here, you brought something that was kind of interesting, yeah. is with Talon Shumway. It seems like him and Zach Wilson, I mean, quarterbacks and receivers grow this little special bond, and every quarterback says all his receivers are his favorite, but you always have that one, and it seems like Talon Shumway is kind of becoming that guy for Zach Wilson. Yeah, and all year we've said this, is which guy's going to step up and prove to be the BYU playmaker on the receiving core? And in the last you know couple weeks, we've seen that to be Talon, and um, he, he's a guy that's so athletically gifted. Um, his, you know, I, I got to play with him. Um, it seems like he's been playing forever. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I spent a couple years with him and I mean, that kid could jump out the roof. Like his, his, just his hops is a, his, um, he's just has so much athletic ability. And I, I'm you know, not surprised at all that he's the guy that stepped up and proven to be that go-to target. Um, he's a very reliable guy. So also not surprised that Zach Wilson is kind of, honed in on talent to be that guy for him here's a stat that hurts a little bit literally BYU's given up 12 sacks in the last two games granted much of that against stauncher defenses and they'll face today but regardless of that situation 12 sacks what does the entire offense not just the offensive line but the entire offense need to do to be better protecting Zach Wilson yeah so that comes down just like you said it comes down to every position position group um, to help protect Zach Uh, number one I mean the O-line's got to stay on their blocks and um, and, and they've got to be assignment sound. Um, so the O-line needs to communicate not only pre-snap, um, but after each play to make sure they're on the same page. Um, you know, I think a lot of times O-line 
uh, you know, guards and tackles, they can get a little mixed up just because they're not communicating. So as they communicate after the play, they're they're seeing what the defense is doing, those, you know, late adjustments that they might be making, late shifts. Uh, so if they communicate, they can be on the same page and prepare against that. Um, but then, you know, go to the running backs. They need to be physical and stay squared when rushers are coming. Um, the receivers need to get open early so that Zach's not sitting in the pocket too long. And then there's also something that Zach can do a little bit better uh, that we haven't seen, and that's uh, when he's getting pressure to step up in the pocket to avoid rushers. We kind of see him going backwards quite a bit, and, and that allows, you know, the defense to continue in their pursuit. So if he steps up in the pocket, he's going to step out of pressure quite a bit. Um, and so that's what I want to see from him tonight. And we'll end with this, Mitch. Uh, the Cougar defense has been solid for most of the season, but today they face a high-scoring team with a great receiver in Andy Isabella. We talked about him just a minute ago. And do so missing another key cog as Chris Wilcox done for the season with an ankle injury. How does the Cougar defense overcome this today? Yeah, so number one, you've got to contain Andy Isabella. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say you've got to shut him down because I, I don't think that's – um, I don't think that's completely reasonable because uh, he's a playmaker. He's going to get open. He's going to get the ball. Uh, but you can't contain him and limit his opportunities. Uh, now, Chris Wilcox could have been the guy to guard Andy, Biz- in Andy Isabella most of the game if BYU went to a personnel-style defense. Um, so somebody is going to need to step up and take that huge task tonight, whether it's a committee effort with Michael Shelton, D'Angelo Mandel, Diant Gunwalaku, or and whoever else wants to step up, they need to contain him. Um, and then just like I said with the offensive line, they've got to be assignment sound. Um, a lot of big plays happen when there's busted assignments. And so they've got to limit um, UMass's opportunities to make big plays by being assignment sound. Um, and then the last thing that you got to tackle, uh, make the tackles wrap up, continue in pursuit. And I know if they do that, then they've got a much better team at slow or much better opportunity at slowing this UMass offense down. Well, Mitchell, thanks so much for the conversation. Now get the rain gear on and stay dry. Okay. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> on the other side, it'll be time for the three keys. Why do the Cougars need to get out early to win? That's next on Cougar Pregame Live on the new Skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new Skin BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Ben Bagley. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live. We're getting you ready for BYU and UMass. Earlier this week, BYU announced that Chris Wilcox will be out for this game uh, and the rest of the season with an ankle injury. So that's just one more injury in the defensive secondary and the defense for BYU Cougars to overcome. But first, before we get to more of that and breaking that down, let's get to the three keys, the keys of the game for BYU to win this game. The first one being, well, we talked about with Mitchell Juergens right off the top of our conversation with Mitchell Juergens. Wake up and get out fast. It's an early game, a 10 o'clock start, one of the, for, for noon Eastern, but the body clocks for BYU Cougars are going to be at 10 o'clock. Got to be able to get wipe the, wipe the sleep out your eyes and get out there and play. And it's not just the offensive side of the ball. Yes, you the offense, you want them to score early and get on the board. But defensively, you can't have a repeat of what happened at Boise State last week where Boise gets out to a quick 14-0 lead. The defense has got to keep UMass off the board. And on the other side of the ball, you want to see the offense have a good first quarter and get on the board early. The second key to the game is forcing turnovers. BYU's done a good job not giving up the ball, but they haven't forced a lot of turnovers and, and, and made created those havoc plays with turning the ball over. I'd like to see some more of that today as BYU faces the Minutemen. If you get out of lead, the Minutemen are going to press a little bit. That defense can get aggressive, get to the ball, 
and take the ball away or make plays in the passing game to get an interception or two. I think creating those turnovers and creating havoc with those turnovers will be a big key to the game for BYU today. And the third and final key of the game is establishing the run game. I know that Kalani Sataki talked this week about letting it rip and getting aggressive. And I think Cougar fans would love nothing more than seeing BYU chucking the ball down the field early and often. However, I think the key to today's game could very well be controlling the clock and the ball in a, with a dominant run attack, something the Cougars have lacked in the last couple of weeks. BYU has not won a game this season in which they haven't rushed for over 100 yards. Last two weeks, they just missed the 100-yard mark, some of that because of the sacks, but they were under 100 yards. Watch and see today if it's going to be different. If BYU can establish a run game, I'm not saying all they're going to do is pound ground and pound all game long, but if they can establish a run game and create those drives that eat clock and control the ball, keeping that ball out of the hands of the UMass offense, that might be one of the best defenses BYU can play is keeping their own offense on the field, and they do that through controlling the ball and controlling it with a good ground game. Those are my three keys. Once again, wake up and get out fast, force turnovers, and establish the run. When we come back, we'll look at some other action in college football and a Cougar scoreboard update. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Final segment of Cougar Pregame Live. I'm Ben Bagley, your host. I will be with you throughout the game, keeping you updated with scores in quarter breaks, but also at halftime. Tweet me your halftime hot reads, and we'll read those on the air. You can tweet them at Ben Bags on Twitter. We'll get to those coming up at the half. But let's look ahead to some key games in college football today. Three matchup of top 20 teams today in college football in a battle of top 20 teams here. 10th-ranked Ohio State travels to East Lansing in the Big Ten to face 18th-ranked Michigan State in an early game. That game will keep you appraised of throughout the game in our scoreboard updates. Later this afternoon, 16th-ranked Mississippi State faces top-ranked Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And this evening, second-ranked Clemson, like the Cougars, are in Massachusetts to face 17th-ranked Boston College. In other top 25 games... TCU faces ninth-ranked West Virginia. Fourth-ranked Michigan travels to Rutgers. In the Battle of the Bedlam series, Oklahoma State takes on sixth-ranked Oklahoma. Eighth-ranked Washington State faces Colorado. They're looking to take control of the Pac-12. Florida State travels to South Bend to face third-ranked Notre Dame. And tonight, in an SEC Top 25 matchup, 24th-ranked Auburn travels in between the hedges to face Georgia. In BYU sports, both BYU hoops teams got victories last night. The BYU women beat UC Riverside in OT 72-70. Brennan Chase and Paisley Johnson both led the Cougars with 18 points apiece in the win. A strong second half from the men's team, including 23 points from TJ Haas, gave BYU a 70 75-65 victory over Utah Valley last night at the Marriott Center. BYU trailed at the half by one point, but shot the ball much better and dominated the boards in the second half to get the 10-point win. The BYU women's soccer team wrapped up their season with a 2-1 loss at TCU in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. And the top-ranked and undefeated women's volleyball team hosts USF today on Senior Day at the Smithfield House. That's Senior Day for the women's volleyball team. 
And that's a wrap of well, one more Cougars update to give you is yesterday the men's and women's cross country teams competed in the NCAA Mountain Regional here at East Bay Golf East Bay Golf Course in Provo. The men's team took second, and the women's took third. Both teams looking to advance to the NCAA championships later this month. We'll wrap things up here on Cougar Pregame Live. Remind you to stick with us throughout the broadcast. We'll send your halftime hot reads. Tweet them in at Ben Bags. We'll read those coming up at the half as BYU faces UMass. That'll wrap things up for Cougar Pregame Live. Coming up next, it's the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with Gregor Bell and Kalani Sataki. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin BYU Sports Network. It's time to get head coach Kalani Sataki's thoughts on today's game. It's the Cougar Pregame Coaches Show, presented by Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Let's join Mark Lyons and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good morning, Cougar football fans. Welcome inside Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, as today the home of Kyle Van Noy and the New England Patriots plays host to KVN's old team and the hometown team. It's 4-5 and five BYU visiting four and six UMass. The Minutemen have only the faintest of postseason hopes, while BYU's own bowl chances would take a substantial hit with a loss. But a BYU win would set up a home game with bowl eligibility on the line next week. My name is Greg Grubel, and I'm joined on today's call by the former Cougar QB, the Arvada Flash himself, the legendary (laughs) Mark Lyons. And uh, Mark, in this Saturday matinee, BYU favored to win. But to do so, they have to reverse one troubling recent trend the inability to score touchdowns. Yep. While UMass has played a weaker schedule than BYU, and they began the season 2-6, and six, the Minutemen have won back-to-back games and score a ton of points and put up a ton of yards. And BYU's <laughs> lost two straight while scoring only one touchdown in the process. If there's a switch, the Cougars better find it and flip it today. Well, I think this is going to be a pretty exciting day. That's what I'm thinking. The BYU playing in another NFL stadium where NFL teams frequently put up lots of points. The Patriots, in fact, average 34 points a game here. So uh, I think that uh, this is going to be the what we're going to see. We're going to see an entertaining game. But BYU is, you're right, Greg, they're going to have to score some points. Coming so up, well, it looked like BYU had made a leap in the Hawaii game, made some big plays, lots of people stepped up, and they scored seven touchdowns. You're right, problem was solved, but wasn't a long-time solution. So now, I think as much as the Northern Illinois game was all defense, today's game is going to be a big offensive day to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. Man, Greg, this Boston area is a great place. There's lots of history. That's uh, There's great, beautiful views. There was great food. It's where the Patriots play. BYU really needs a win to get back to be 500. Greg, my boy. What a great day for a football game. After the break, Kalani Sitake on his team's first and only Eastern time zone game of the season in this third-to-last game of the regular season. That's next as the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues live from Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU Radio. Talk about good. Deseret First just made me part of the 1%. Oh, not the wealthiest 1%, but I just got 1% cash back on my car loan from Deseret First. Lower payment, cash back, less than five minutes, and now I'm part of their 1%. Apply in person at dfcu.com or by phone, 801-456-7590. 
You can even get 1% cash back when you bring over your current auto loan. Deseret First? That's right. Membership and eligibility required. Terms and conditions apply. Limited time offer. Not valid on existing DFCU auto loans. 1% cash back based on loan amount. I'm a professional mom, and I mean business. Do you think that Timmy got that Eagle Scout award all by himself? I don't mess around when it comes to family events either. Pro tip, BYU food to go. They've got everything from pulled pork sandwiches to elegant desserts. Whether it's a wedding reception or a hungry ward, they've got you covered. Simply order, pick up, and serve. BYU food to go will help you make an amazing event that everyone will enjoy. Check out BYU food to go. Back when Zions Bank first started, paperwork was more of a handshake, and a bank was judged by its commitment to community, integrity, teamwork, trust, and value. Fast forward 145 years, and those with Zions Bank still enjoy the same values. You can too. For established principles you can count on today and tomorrow, Zions Bank is for you. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. A division of ZBNA, member FDIC. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. I'm Julie Rose. Next week on Top of Mind, we'll take a look at the Library of Congress's treasure trove of veterans' stories and memories spanning 100 years of military service. Also, turns out that any amount of regular alcohol consumption increases your risk of premature death. And hear how doing yoga while tiny goats climb on your back became an exercise sensation. It's called Goga. Join us next week for Top of Mind, weekday mornings and evenings on BYU Radio. Here once again is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And we are live at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, as today BYU visits UMass for a game that will take place some 90 miles from the Minutemen's regular home at McGuirk Alumni Stadium in Amherst. But uh, it's technically a home game for them. Uh, They're calling this home today. Uh, We are just south of Boston for this one, the first of two visits BYU will make to this NFL venue. The Cougs are back here next year at this time to complete a four-game series with UMass. The Minutemen played each of the last two years in Provo, losing in 2016, winning in 2017. In 2018, BYU is a 4-5 and five team and a loser in four of the last five games entering today's matinee at 3-1. and one. BYU's postseason eligibility looked like a foregone conclusion, but five games later, it's an increasingly iffy proposition. But a win here today will all but seal that particular deal, a loss, and the Cougars would have to win out, including a win in Salt Lake City to end the regular season. Possible, certainly, but it would be nice to have a bowl bid in the bag before that game. Time now for our pregame interview with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. And he's less concerned with six wins than he is one win. And in our conversation, brought to you, as always, by Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. I asked the coach about how this season's difficult schedule has hopefully prepared his team to go out and take care of business as UMass is the only team with a losing record at the time they faced the Cougars. We have a losing record as well, and so um, they've had some tough teams and some tough opponents that they played played really well, and so you know they beat us last year, and, and um, uh, I think our, our main goal is to really focus on what we do as a team first and then uh, see their tendencies and try to d- defend or um, score on, on what we see from, from film. So um, they're a well-coached team, and uh, you know our guys are ready for this for this game. I think they're just hungry to to get that sour taste of losing out of their mouth from the last couple weeks. 
there's that cliche about teams being better than their record, but I know you feel that you've got something better than a four and five team on your hands right now. Yeah, definitely. And and every week's a different deal, so we're just trying to go one and zero this week, you know. And um, I think our guys are. Uh, we, we've had some really tough losses, and um, they're, they're great lessons to learn um, in, in those losses. And I think we've become a better team because of them. How's the week been for you in terms of uh, getting back east and having good game prep? Good. I mean, we came out a, a, a day earlier, just basically get a, get a good night's rest here and wake them up early, get them used to the, the time change. And uh, I think our guys are, are, they look really, really well rested right now and uh, expect us to start fast. You have had some personnel losses over the year, but uh, as healthy as you maybe can be at this point in time, probably. Yeah, and I've had to re- really rely on some young guys and inexperienced guys to begin on the field, but uh, this is this is their moment, and I think a lot of those guys are just really – uh, they've worked really hard and really excited to get on the field, see what they can do. And uh, at some point, so some parts of our, you know, especially looking at the secondary, we're going to be really young there. And this is a really good passing team. So uh, with one of the best uh, receivers in, in college football. So it's going to be a, a good challenge for all of them. But I think our guys have the talent to do it. We just got to make sure that we are assignment sound and use our technique. I was worried when Chris Wilcox came off the field last week at Boise. He didn't look good, and it wasn't good. Uh, he's played really well, too, and I think a lot of times uh, when corners play well, you don't really recognize them, and that's maybe been his case this year, but he's played really well. How do you plan to, to replace him out there? Well, we have a number of guys, D'Lo and Keenan and, and you know Mike Shelton and Isaiah Heron that we we're bringing on, uh, Jalen Vickers as well. So, um, And then we have a lot of different um, uh, scheme and, and uh, different types of uh, – I think what we can do with our technique and scheme-wise to help our, our guys utilize their strengths. But um, at the same time, we're going to have to leave them out there uh, on a, on island at times, and they're going to have to step up and grow up real quick. You know, I've been really pleased with a lot of the freshmen and the way that they they played, but they have a, a really good coach, and I've been really happy with the safeties and, and, and the DBs altogether. So Michael Shelton's a senior. Everyone else you're going to play at corner is a freshman or a redshirt freshman, and they at some point will have to deal with number five, Andy Isabella. Yeah, Isabella's a great player. He's definitely next-level type of guy. And you hear the names like you know Edelman and, and Wes Welker, and it's just this guy fits the bill. He's really fast, around 10, 500 in, in high school, and so I think he's faster than that. I think he's going to be one of the faster guys we've, we've faced all year. Leads the nation in receiving yards and receiving yards per game. He's uh, he's really something else. How does he do it? Well, I mean, he loves the game of football. You watch him, he, and they use him so many different ways. They put him in the backfield. They'll put him in a the wing. They'll um, they'll put him in the slot. They'll put him in a flanker, and so a split end. They, they use him everywhere, and they should. He's, he's one of the best uh, players that we've seen, and, and he's one of the best players in college football. So we'll have to be aware of where he's at and, 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 and um, you know, really – disrupt the timing for the quarterback that's going to be the key is, is disrupting quarterback in the throw like you just mentioned positionally it's more than corners who have to ha- have to handle Isabella today yeah the yeah. pass rush has got to get there I mean if we end up having to cover him for longer than four seconds it's going to be really tough okay uh Ross Comas is the new quarterback uh he's replaced Andrew Ford and Comas is pretty mobile too he can he can move around extend to play uh score a touchdown and there's another guy that's also started a game for him and has a bunch of touchdowns in, in 17, Curtis. So uh, how do you think they shape up at uh, quarterback? Well, I mean, first of all, their coach, he knows how to handle those guys at the quarterback position. And uh, Whipple does a great job of utilizing the scheme to help his quarterbacks uh, be efficient. And so um, we have to stop the big play capability that they have on offense. And that really means getting to the quarterback and disrupting the timing. They're, they're going to throw the ball quite a bit. And so... 
we we need to try to find a way to make them one dimensional and then try to take away a lot of what they we think their strengths are in the past game. And we may need to see some big plays from BYU. This UMass team is scoring a lot of points, and this could be one of those uh, shootout type of games. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, just a shootout for us, and we'll see <laughs> if we can shut it down. But I mean, that's good. that's a it's a tall task, but our guys are excited for it. I think we've been playing really solid defense the last couple of weeks, you know, and uh, I think our guys are, are primed for this game. It's, I think it's a good timing for us, the type of scheme that they're going to bring, and uh, we'll, we'll need our D-line to step up and our uh, linebackers to really take away some of the looks and the throwing lanes and, and uh, possibly get, get some turnovers. The last team that you played with an offensive and defensive profile like UMass was Hawaii, and we saw how that one turned out. You would take the same outcome. Yeah, same type of uh, receiver with John Arsua. Yeah. Um, and so same type of system. We'll see how it works. I mean, it worked out well for us against Hawaii, and we'll see if, the, if it. Uh, it's a little bit different dynamic, but I, I think um, there's a lot of carryover. So this is something that our guys are used to, and it's a huge challenge. And our guys are excited to be here and play this game, and you know, and, and uh, do it uh, during the day. So uh, uh, you know, our last day game didn't work out so well. So our, this is kind of like another opportunity to redeem ourselves, and the fact that we lost to these guys last year. And here at Gillette Stadium, what a venue. Yeah, excited. I mean, you know, we're all involved with Patriots because of Van Noy, and, and um, you know, this is a, a championship franchise, and it's nice to be here. Their locker room's right across from the hall from us, so our guys are excited to be on the NFL field, and you know, we're excited to play and then have our fans cheer us on here and, and also on those that are watching at home. Did you guys happen to see Kyle this week? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we ended up not being able to practice at the stadium, but he came to the hotel and saw a bunch of the guys. And um, you know how he is. He's, he, he loves he loves his boys, loves his team. All right, well, have a great game, uh, Kalani. We'll talk to you postgame. Thanks. Go Cougs. That's BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. Title in escrow can be complicated. With over 50 years' experience in Utah, Provo Land Title has the experience to navigate your buying, selling, or building project. Provo Land Title, making the complicated easier. Our look ahead to BYU and UMass rolls on after this break. This has been the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show, live from Foxborough, Massachusetts, on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Comfort broadcast booth and join Mark Lyons and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good late morning once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. It's 4-5 and five BYU taking on 4-6 and six UMass. Technically a neutral field game, but in the record books as a home game for the Minutemen who come into today's game on a two-game win streak. Cougars on a two-game skid. I'm Greg Rubel with Mark Lyons in our broadcast booth. Our on-site engineer is Barry Squires. Statistician is Ralph Sokolowski. Our spotter is Justin Green filling in for McKay Perry today. Our pregame halftime and postgame host is Ben Bagley filling in for Jason Shepard. Down on the field, it's former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch reporting from the Zions Bank end zone. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. The rest of our broadcast team consisting of BYU radio engineer Sean Fay, coordinating producer Terry South, control board operator Nathan Israelson, along with broadcast intern Aaron Fitzner in studio. Intern Sterling Richards is with us here in Foxborough. Great to have you with us today for the radio call on the new skin, BYU Sports Network, led by our flagship BYU Radio Sirius XM 143 on satellite. Over the air, we are on BYU Radio, 89.1 FM HD2, along with KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM in northern Utah, along with network affiliates in Utah and Idaho. You can also stream our broadcast at BYURadio.org and BYUCougars.com slash live radio, as well as the BYU Radio and the BYU Cougars apps. 
Our broadcast audio archives are commercial break free and posted quarter by quarter at BYURadio.org and on the BYU Football Podcast. Well, BYU and UMass are mirror images in that what one team does well, the other does not, and vice versa. BYU struggles on offense and is quite good on defense. UMass prolific on offense and porous on defense. In points per game, UMass's offense ranks 28th. In scoring defense, BYU ranks 32nd. Good match. In points per game, BYU's offense ranks 116th. In scoring defense, UMass ranks 125th. Good matchup. In yards per play, UMass ranks, or rather, in uh, yeah, yards per play, UMass ranks 19th. And in yards per play allowed, BYU defense ranks 37th. We have a match. In yards per play, BYU's offense ranks 111th. And in yards per play allowed, UMass defense ranks 116th. So there we go, all the way down the line. Mark, there could not be a clearer definition between these two teams. It'll be strength against strength and weakness against weakness today. That's right. You know, this game could be 3-3 or it might be 45-45. We just don't know which one is going to be able to play out. But uh, UMass has some really good playmakers. You know, the offensive line is solid and big, and they have a running back that averages 5.4 per carry. He has seven touchdowns. He catches passes. Uh, The quarterback has been really good, you know, but he also he's thrown 12 touchdown passes, but he's rushed for five. So he's uh, mobile. He's played in all nine games, even though he's just started these last two. And the last two that he started have been wins for UMass. So I I think that uh, they've scored in the 60s twice this year. So UMass really does have quite a bit of offense. But they give up 44 points a game to teams. Uh, Florida International scored 63. Uh, USF scored 58. Liberty scored 59 last week in that overtime game that they was just crazy so you're right Greg uh, this is an up and down kind of a team that uh, BYU faces today you've got to assume that BYU needs to get out there early because if you get behind and have to play catch up it really becomes a different kind of attack that BYU wants to use so they've got to score early now this is uh, in the again in the books as an away game this is Kalani Sitake's 15th away game BYU's had the lead after the first quarter in none of the preceding 14. They've never had a road lead after one quarter. That's pretty amazing. Well, the one mitigating factor when you compare BYU and UMass has to be the strength of schedule, right? According to Sagarin, BYU's played the 40th toughest schedule in college football. UMass's strength of schedule is 120th. BYU has played nothing but teams with records of 500 or better until today. UMass is the first opponent that'll take a losing record mark into its game with the Cougs. Well, I think the strength of schedule should have some bearing on the overall skill and ability of the teams that BYU is playing. And, you know, since the BYU is playing a rougher schedule, they've also learned how to play in those tougher games. I think that should help them. Although Utah State's schedule ranking is 70th, that didn't go so well for BYU. The difference between, though, USU and UMass is that Utah State is beating opponents by a big margin. They just whoop them and so UMass has four wins and the victories uh, of their opponents that UMass has beaten is only 15 wins their opponents have only won 15 times BYU's opponents have won 25 different times yep. so it kind of points out that uh, what you're saying I believe for the key for BYU is to play with desire and enthusiasm if BYU is focused they play great BYU's really a team that has opportunities to have won three more games, losing by three, uh, three games by a total of nine points. 
All right, more of the Cougar Kickoff Show is coming up after the break and after this reminder that this season, BYU football and Mountain America Credit Union are changing lives. For each field goal BYU kicks, Mountain America will donate $500 to the American Red Cross to help fund humanitarian services and programs. Our BYU football coverage continues live from Foxborough, Massachusetts on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. This venue's regular tenants, the New England Patriots, they're on the road this weekend playing tomorrow at Tennessee. Yesterday, before he left town, uh, former Cougar Kyle Van Noy visited with the Cougars at their team hotel. BYU comes into today's game on a two-game losing streak, and in both of the losses, home to Northern Illinois and at Boise State, red zone misfires were to blame. But in the first seven games of this season, BYU's red zone proficiency, proficiency was the reason the Cougars had a winning record despite generally sluggish offensive numbers. Through seven games, BYU had scored touchdowns on 18 of 23 non-kneel-down red zone possessions. That's an excellent 78.3% red zone touchdown rate, which would rank in the top 10 nationally if that held to today. Then, in back-to-back losses to NIU and BSU, BYU scored one TD on seven red zone drives, not including a Matt Bushman fumble inside the Boise five-yard line last week. That didn't even count as a red zone possession because they snapped the ball outside the 20. Mark, what was a strength has in the span of two weeks become a weakness, and it's been different reasons for the red zone failures, penalties, sacks, turnovers, play calling is always discussed. Either way, BYU's got to find a way to punch it into the end zone against a high-scoring team like UMass. I don't think you want to settle for field goals. Absolutely. You've got to get the points on the board. Nine games are in the books for this season. By now, BYU should have improved enough to have some area of success that they can count on offensively, and that just hasn't happened. That's the surprising thing for me is that uh, we haven't seen that normal progression of improvement because these guys do work hard in practice. Somehow they aren't getting the improved production out of the offense. You know, there were three sacks against... uh, Hawaii, and there were only nine sacks in the first seven games. Penalties in the red zone were just a killer against Northern Illinois. There were two of them inside the 10-yard line. The sacks of Boise State. You know, BYU got sacked and gave up eight yards and then had to try that field goal. It was eight, exactly eight yards short. (laughs) Right at the bottom of the goal post, but it was just short. So, uh, you know, those kind of things make a difference in the football game. Clock management could be questioned. You know, there's missed blocks. With the troubles that they've had against the Boise State rush, you have to believe that UMass is going to come with lots of pressure today to try and screw up the BYU's offensive attack. And so BYU has to be better prepared for that kind of push. Well, what to expect today beyond that? I think the most reasonable comparison would be the Hawaii game of four weeks ago. The Rainbow Warriors had a marquee wide receiver in John Ursua. UMass has Andy Isabella. Now, Ursua got his, but a generous Hawaii defense was undone by BYU to the tune of 49 points. UMass gets Isabella, the nation's leading receiver, folks, and he may indeed get his, but Mark, BYU has to show that a difficult schedule has toughened the team and prepared it for days like today when the Cougars should prevail in what is basically kind of a must-win feel relative to postseason possibilities. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, they played so big. BYU's defense played really well last week against uh, Boise State. You know, their quarterback, they had a great quarterback, they had a great receiver, and they have a good running game. And BYU was able to limit all of those. Rippon 
uh, normally completes 68% of his passes he, for 320 yards a game. And last week he only had 214 yards. He threw a pick and had one touchdown throw. So I think the, that BYU did it well enough to hold their 40 points a game, 21 points, and the receiver was just taken out of it. So I, I think that BYU did a good enough job so what I was saying about BYU's offense being productive and improving at this point in the season, I think BYU's defense is showing that improvement, and they've had enough uh, success, and they've been doing enough at, at practice that they've come along, and I expect them to play well again today. Time for a break, and time for You Be the Judge, brought to you by Legally Mine. Legally Mine equals asset protection. Go to LegallyMineUSA.com to learn what you can do to stop lawsuits dead in their tracks. Here's today's football rules scenario. During the first possession of overtime, a defender intercepts a forward pass and has a clear, a clear path to the goal line when he makes a taunting gesture toward the nearest opponent as he crosses the goal line with what would be the game-winning touchdown. Is it a touchdown? And what is the ruling? The answer coming up next as the Cougar kickoff show continues from Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. This is Cougar Football on the new skin, BYU Football Sports Network. All right, time for the answer now in today's NCAA football rules question. And you be the judge, brought to you by Legally Mine. Here is the scenario. During the first possession of overtime, a defender intercepts a forward pass and has a clear path to the goal line when he makes a taunting gesture toward the nearest opponent as he crosses the goal line with what would be the game-winning touchdown. Is it a touchdown? And what is the ruling? And the ruling is the defensive team's score is canceled and the penalty for taunting is carried over. The intercepting team begins its possession series on the 40-yard line, first and 10. You be the judge, presented by Legally Mine. Coming up, we'll hear from sideline reporter Mitchell Jurgens as our pregame coverage of BYU and UMass continues here at Gillette Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU and UMass straight ahead. Last week, as BYU was scoring 16 points at Boise State, the Minutemen were scoring 62 in a triple overtime win versus Liberty over in Amherst. UMass rolled up 777 yards of total offense. Quarterback Ross Comas threw for 540. Receiver Andy Isabella had a school record, 303 receiving <laughs> yards. This is one game. He yeah. leads the FBS in receiving yards and yards per game. He's second in receptions and touchdown catches. And Mark, BYU DC, Elisa Tuiaki says UMass is the most complex offense the Cougars will see this season. They're fun to watch, not fun to defend. Between Comus, Isabella, and running back Marquise Young, it's a team of big play playmakers. Well, Andy Isabella has 33 starts, you know, and that really helps him. The running back Marquise Young has 31 starts. But the quarterback, Ross uh, Comus. Comus, he's a senior, but he's just starting his seventh game. And, and you're right, Greg, they have some just huge Madden football-like stats. 
it should be a great challenge for BYU. You know, their offensive line protects there quite well. The running back runs well, and the quarterback can throw it, and he's a good runner. So I just think that they really are a really good team to face today, and I think that BYU has to limit points early in the football game and minimize those points. They have to be able to keep up. We already talked about it, but uh, the, the weather today could have a little bit of an impact as the wind starts to pick up on that pass game. All right, speaking of the wind and who's standing down in it, let's bring in our sideline reporter, Mitchell Jurgens from the Zions Bank end zone. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. And Mitch, there are a lot of guys on this BYU team who were on the field when a lot of these same UMass players came into Provo and handed the Cougs a crushing loss in last year's 4-9 tailspin. And while revenge may not always be the most useful motivator, there's no doubt that BYU felt embarrassed by that 16-10 setback. At the very least, Mitch, there's got to be some Cougar pride in play today. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Uh, when we look at last year's matchup, that, that was not a game that BYU should have lost. UMass was 4-8 last year and only 1-5 on the road. So UMass was not a team to go on the road to win, and their lone win came against BYU in Provo. Um, so BYU was embarrassed, and you know they're coming out here with all intentions to not let that happen again. Uh, whether BYU plays today with revenge, wanting to keep their bowl game hopes alive, or even wanting to shine individually or as a team in one of the most amazing stadiums in the NFL, here in Gillette Stadium, home of the great Super Bowl winning New England Patriots, they're going to have to do something uh, to prove themselves. Uh, I remember every NFL stadium I played in and what my mentality was before the game. I was hopeful as a receiver I could say, hey, I scored an, or had an incredible uh, game in that NFL stadium, so I have no doubt the BYU will come out ready to play. Mitch, good stuff. Thank you. Coin Toss kickoff coming up next. This has been the Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.